you didn't even introduce the yeah, name of the show. Just, hopefully they know what they're watching by now or listening to. Yeah. I, mean, I hope so too, but I don't know. <laughs> we also can't get the name of I know. Right, so. Okay. Well, okay. Okay. Do you say company or co? How have we discussed this so many times? Yeah. You say, say company. company. Okay. Welcome back to the Coffee House Theater Company Podcast. There you go. <laughs> That's so sad because this is episode 15. <laughs> Okay, in our defense, it's been a while since we've recorded because Aaron is in college now and doesn't get to be here very often. <laughs> no, it's been a, it's been a bit, and I've been I've been like so busy recently. I feel like that's why I was so unprepared today. Like with everything, I feel so bad because I've literally like, you know, college. <laughs> I think we started every single episode off with we're just unprepared. We're just a mess. <laughs> I think it's fine. <laughs> They're like, okay, well, this is where we stop. We're going to we're going to leave now. <laughs> so, how is college though? Are you just vibing? Yeah, it's different. I think I said the last time with you did. I ask you this every time. Yeah, with with um COVID and everything. It's like it's a lot tougher cuz everything is basically online and but, you know, got to do what you got to do. Yeah, so, gotta work with and it. And you're still, as a fact that the idea that you just go to school every day seems really weird to me. Sorry, I'm not as old as you. I can't control well, what I no, was Well, no, but like you don't, like you don't go online. No. Yours oh, are all oh, in person, oh, I right? I think you're just talking about me still being in high school and I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that too. But yes, we go to school every day. They're not really doing much for Do you COVID. wear masks? They ask you to, but you know, half the people are like, nah, COVID's fake. I'm just not going to wear a mask. So oh, gosh, <laughs> we're not going to get into that. I just sit there with my mask, just vibing. <laughs> Dang. Well, I know you've probably been pretty busy too. Yeah. Right in the midst of audition season. So trying to get my crap together, but have you heard anything from any colleges? I haven't actually like sent in the applications to them yet because I have all my stuff filled out, but I'm waiting on two recommendations, oh, yeah. which one of the recommendations, they had a family emergency. And so like they can't get it in right now. Oh, and the other one is, sense. oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know who I'm talking about. And the other one um, is someone else is a teacher at school. And so like, I can't really like push them. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so I have all my stuff filled out. So I'm just waiting for that. But all my audition material is ready to go. I'm really excited. So yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, so we're coffee. drinking coffee. Uh, you started drinking it already? Yeah, I did start drinking it. Was I not is supposed it, to? I don't know. I just didn't. I was thinking so well, much. Mine was also a lot less full than yours. I've only had like three sips. Hmm. It's really good. Ooh, care to it say is what good. It is. Just... Oh, yeah, yeah. You should know. Um, so this is coffee from the New Bremen Coffee Company. Um, we talked about them in earlier episodes. Um, and I think we talked about, yes, um, you can find their coffee products online. And we'll have the link to the website in the description. Um, today we're having their pumpkin spice coffee we're having it's like cappuccino yeah so good i feel so it's good I basic fall okay i normally actually never had pumpkin spice coffee before i had it once this and it good. wasn't the greatest but this one's really really good so mm -hmm. this makes me just love pumpkin spice yeah now. i'm thinking i'm thinking i might actually start drinking it because this is pretty good i was i was like pleasantly surprised i guess because mm -hmm. our, our house blend, we had the house blend the last time. I think that was episode 11. That was 
that was really good. Yeah. So I was like, is it going, what's it going to be like? I've never had, I've never even had pumpkin spice. Everything there has been so good that I've had. So I highly I recommend know. ordering online or going there. I think I might go again, again later <laughs> today. <laughs> Hi, I'd like more coffee. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think me and Erica are going to go. So and I love, we love it there. We literally go there all the time. We go there with our grandma because, because, well, that's so cute. Yeah. So I love that. We really just have little dates. So that's fun. But yeah, so I'm kind of for this. I definitely need it this morning because I also got like four hours of sleep the other night. Wait, why? It just, I don't know. <laughs> it was just, yeah, just not just sleep not, well. not one of, just not a good night. Yeah, just not sleep. So I definitely need the coffee today. That's for sure. Okay. So, um, are you ready, Rachel? I'm so ready to dive into this episode. Okay, this I'm episode. so excited Ooh, for this episode. Yeah. So we had uh, episode 11 that was listener stories, but now we have a lot of stories from a specific <laughs> someone who is with us today. Um, our guest is Tori Doctor. Hello, Tori. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. I don't actually have coffee. I feel left out. <laughs> No problem. Um, we are so happy that you're here. We like, really are. You have no idea how much we appreciate this. To give a little background on Tori, his career spans 25 years and over 60 productions throughout 40 countries. Some of his select credits include The Secret Garden, Cats, Beauty and the Beast, Land, Man of La Mancha, Greece, Evita, My Fair Lady, Guys and Dolls, and much more. He has also worked with the world's largest producers of musicals, Disney and Cameron McIntosh. And Tori has also been acting and has been involved in musical theater and been hosting specialized workshops for the past decade. He has been a guest speaker for numerous colleges and universities across North America, focusing on bridging the gap between community theater and the professional world. He's also a very accomplished writer, having written three musicals with his writing partner, Nico. Uh, Nico and Tori are currently working on their latest musical, Off the Beaten Path, a surprisingly touching, irreverent comedy that pays homage to all of the fantasy franchises that preceded it. From Harry Potter to Jamie Lannister, Driss to Orden to, to Geralt of Rivia, no one is safe. <laughs> I'm great. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Today he's going to be speaking about some of his experiences in the business and sharing some of his personal stories, and I cannot wait. Yes. So I don't even know where you want to start. Cause I, yeah. I sound way cooler. Yeah. I've, I've done a lot. I, I sound way cooler when you guys talk about me <laughs> than when I talk about me. I feel like, I feel like it's, uh, uh, my, my kids should listen to you guys. About how cool I am. Cause I've all done all this stuff. Uh, yeah. I've been lucky enough to work uh, all over the world meet incredible people, hang out with people uh, like Alan Menken at one point. He's the composer of Little Mermaid and, wow. and, uh, and Aladdin um, and uh, work with Cameron McIntosh's people and uh, do all, you know, I have a dog in the background, so forgive him as he wants to get in with me. That sounds weird. I'm never going to say that again. He wants to come in here and be with me. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been lucky enough to do that. And when I, when I heard your uh, podcast, I thought, oh my goodness, this will be a great idea, uh, a great time to tell you all of my fantastic stories that are really funny, I hope, and fun. 
uh, I'm and interesting sure and, and learning because I, I love to teach. It's my thing. Um, so yeah. So what should we do? What should we talk about first? What do you want to know? I don't even know. I don't know where you even want to start because I feel like you have so much, like even just reading your, your whole introduction, your bio, it's just like, well, <laughs> yeah, when Aaron told me that she had like gotten in contact with you, I was like, oh my gosh, this yeah. is going to be the coolest thing ever. So um, maybe start out with, <sighs> start at the very beginning. <laughs> very good okay. place to no, start. I need to stop. <laughs> hey, well, great idea. Well, you know what? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a, I hear that all the time. Um, you know what? I'm going to start at the beginning. I'll tell you my story uh, because it's, it's kind of unique. When I was 17, uh, I loved musicals, just like you guys. I absolutely loved musicals. I would thrive on them, and I knew every word to every musical in the whole entire existence of mankind. And if there wasn't a musical I didn't know, I had to learn it. And then um, one of the largest theater com companies in Canada was doing a musical called Evita. Uh, and I thought, I'm going to – sorry, give me one second. My dog really wants to come in. So I'm going to introduce you to my dog Okay. Oh, one moment. Uh, I'll be right back. <laughs> I'm here. I'm still talking. I'm getting my dog. <laughs> my dog is now in the room with us. <laughs> this is a podcast, so you have to be entertaining for the whole time. Hi. <laughs> okay. So. Oh my goodness. I'm going to turn off. I'm going to turn off my uh, virtual background and put none. And this. Here you go. Oh, my goodness. Is my great Dane. He's a big boy. So I'm six foot three and a bit. And oh, when wow. he is on his hind legs, he put, he's, he's my height. Oh, my so God. He's, a, he's ginormous. His name is Kulgar. Kulgar oh. is one of the characters in um, my latest musical, which we'll talk about later. But oh, um, he, the, the character of Kulgar is big and strong, but he's not uh, intelligent, but he's in, emotionally incredibly intelligent. And so this is very much Kulgar, this big, giant, 120-pound dog that is not even finished growing yet. Oh, my gosh. So... That's that's the story of Kalgar the giant, and he loves me so much. He wants to go everywhere I go, including the bathroom, which is awkward. <laughs> anyway, we don't need to talk about Kalgar and I going into the bathroom. Um, so yeah, so uh, I had uh, I had seen that there was a notice for actors to audition for Evita at Theatre Calgary, which uh, is one of um, Canada's largest regional theatre companies. And I was 17 years old and, and in high school, and I thought, I've got a big voice. I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to wow them, and they're going to love me, and it's going to be amazing. And so um, I go to the audition. This really tall guy with skinny, skinny legs, and my, I thought it would be really cool to wear my Wizard of Oz shorts because <laughs> they weren't fashionable then, but I was like, it's going to give me good mojo if I go in there. Anyway, so I went in and um, I started to sing. 
And of course, it's one of those old things where you walk onto the theater, there's no, there's no set on the, on the stage, and it's giant theater, and there's a director way in the back with a little light on, and uh, you've got a piano player and a grand piano, and it's just all of a sudden all of your dreams are coming true. And I started to sing, um, and uh, I, was, I was killing it. I was amazing that day. I sang... Bring him home from Les Mis, oh, and um, oh, uh, and I sang um, oh, Fagin from uh, Pick a Pocket or Two. So I wanted to show my range, right? I was like, in this life, one thing counts. In the, and then I was like, God on high, right? <laughs> Just like, I'm so amazing. Um, so this this skinny toothpick is up on stage singing. And uh, the, the director goes, um, skinny boy, big voice, I'm impressed. And I was like, you're welcome. <laughs> but he was a comedian. Uh, and he said, he said to me, Tori, you own that stage. You take it. It's yours. This is your space. And I went, yeah, can I get some water? I'm really parched. And... This 17-year-old kid in this, big aud in, in, in this big auditorium. And the director looks at the musical director. The musical director looks at the director and goes, you got balls, kid. <laughs> and, and says, yeah, get this kid some water. <laughs> Amazing. Looking back at it now, I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> so uh, then, I got a, then I got a call back. They loved me. Or so I thought. Uh, and uh, then I went to the callback and I was, I was feeling it. Like I had learned all of the parts they'd sent me backwards and forwards. I was, I was singing as high as I could, as low as I could. I was like, I am going to show you the person you cannot do without in your production of Evita. And I was on the, I was on the, the, they call it a C train here in Calgary. I was on the train here in Calgary, just holding on, just looking at people, doing the old nod of the head. Yeah, how you doing? I'm going to a <laughs> callback for a musical. How you doing? Yeah, nice to see you. And they walk in, and there are people from Les Mis there, people from Phantom, people from Aspects of Love, people from Cats, and 17-year-old Tory Doctor. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my oh, my goodness. I am out of my depth. There's no way I'm going to get this show. They had us there for eight hours. This is back in the day when Equity didn't have rules on callbacks. Uh, I was there for eight hours, um, and they were bringing certain groups in, and then they would, they would bring other groups in, and, and I was a part of one group and the dance group, and I was like, I was okay in the dance call because I was trained as a dancer for a while, and so I was okay in that. And then when I got to sing, I was, I, I was amazing in my head, or so I thought. Uh, and then I went home and realized there's no way that I can compete with these people. There's no way that this 17-year-old boy can go up against these 30-year-old actors with Les Mis and Phantom and, and, and Cats on their resume. It's just not possible. And so I was really dejected. And uh, one night I was supposed to go out with some friends and I decided, no, I'm not doing it. And I go home and I go through the door 
all dejected going, I'm never going to get this show. And my mom is on the phone with somebody and she says, oh, wait, here he is. And I pick up the phone and I was offered uh, a role in the ensemble for the show. And I was... I hit the roof. I couldn't believe it. I was 17 years old and part of my first professional show. And I was like, I beat out people from Les Mis and Phantom and Cats. And he, I'm 17. I'm not, I'm not even graduated high school yet. And I thought I was so amazing. Turns out I was just a lot cheaper than the other guys. So, <laughs> um, uh, <coughs> excuse me. I was, yeah, I was a lot cheaper. Um, but I had a voice they could use. <coughs> Sorry, I recently got cast, tested for COVID. I'm not through the microphone, give my <coughs> lingering cough. Anyway, so uh, that's where my, my career began. The irony of me doing my first professional show uh, is that I almost failed drama in high school because I didn't attend. So oh I almost failed high school uh, because I was doing a professional show um, because I didn't have enough credits because of failing drama. So oh yeah, the, uh, the irony is overwhelming. <laughs> so yeah, that's where it began. And then my career slowly took off and you know, the first year it was one show, the next year it was another show, then it was a show in an opera. Then it was two shows and a concert series. And then, and then I just, I didn't stop working. I kept on going and going and going. Uh, and it was, it was an incredible career. It was an incredible time. And I was very lucky. And then probably about 10 years ago, um, I started to go, there's, there's more that I need uh, from, from acting. And uh, that's when I started to get into writing. But uh, I was blessed to, to have some amazing contacts. So those people from Les Mis and Phantom, they became my friends. And then they became resources. And in that, you know, I'm all of a sudden, I find myself in New York on Broadway auditioning for Les Mis. And this, this is a really good story. So... Um, there's, a, there's an audition in New York for Les Mis and for, particularly for the uh, role of Angela uh, on Broadway because the, the guy on Broadway decided that he was going to leave. And so I'm like, perfect, this is ideal. I'm, I'm tall and lean. I've worked with Cameron's people before and I know this show backwards and forwards. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, working for Cameron's people, I... Um, I had done Hey Mr. Producer, his truncated version of his, of his show, which has um, Miss Saigon, Cats, uh, Phantom. So they get a cast together to do all these, basically a concert version of all of his musicals that he's produced. And I played uh, Javert in Les Mis and then sang Chris in Saigon. Like, who gets to do that? It was amazing. Yeah, incredible. So I was like, I've worked with Cameron's people. That's on my resume. And so awesome. Uh, and I was like, this is, this is my, my opportunity. And so I go to New York because uh, I was uh, living in Toronto at the time. 
I go to New York and man, oh man, New York is big. And I'm looking for this address and I'm like, I can't find this address. And then I go up to a guy who looks like an actor because he was pretentious and he had a scarf on. And I was like, you have an actor's scarf. You're obviously one of us and you're in New York. So I said, hey, do you know where this address is? And he says, oh yeah, 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 not far, not far. Just uh, another block or two down and take a ride and it'll be right there, you can't miss it. And I was like, okay, great. And then he walks in the building that I'm standing in front of. And I start to walk and I stop. And I think, he looks like me. He seems to be an actor. He knows where this address is. He went into the building that I thought was going to be, but there's no number. He went into the building I think I thought this place was, but then second guessed myself. And so I'm gonna go in and check. Sure enough, I open the door, I go up the stairs, and it is this giant studio with actors all over the place. Yeah. And that was my first taste of being, oh, it's a dog-eat-dog world here. Isn't oh, my it? God. That's, uh, yeah. that's lovely. Yeah. So, um, but that being said, we were, uh, they were auditioning three shows at the time. So there were two cattle calls and it was like, uh, I think it, I think I could be wrong. Um, it could be, uh, uh, one was the sound of music they were auditioning for. And the other was something like Oklahoma. And so there were hundreds of people for both of those auditions, but I couldn't find the Les Mis auditions anywhere. And by this time you were only, um, allowed to audition for uh, Les Mis if you were shortlisted. So shortlisted meaning they're only going to see between five, maybe 10 max people for the role and for the show. And so I, I said to the person running one of the other auditions, I said, excuse me, do you know where the Les Mis auditions are? And all these heads go looking and staring at me, right? Um, because it's it's obviously a very coveted role, uh, a, a very coveted show, um, and they maybe didn't hear that there were auditions for Les Mis, and now you can see the the cogs in their head turning. I want to get an audition for this, uh, and so they had they had us go and sit uh, next to these guys on a bench, and there were three guys on a bench, and I was like, oh, those guys look like me. This obviously must be the place, and so I sign in, and. Now, before I went there, like I said, my friends became resources and they had done Lamas before. So I called a friend, um, Todd, and I said, Todd Noel, who uh, played Angela, he played Marius, he went on to play the Phantom. And I said, Todd, what, what, what should I know about Angela? What, like, and he gave me some insight and he gave me some direction and, and, and I was like, oh, okay, great. Then I called another friend of mine and I said, hey, uh, Jules, I am auditioning for Liz. And she says, Tori, this is the big time. I know you're a funny guy, uh, but do not screw this up. This is the world's biggest stage. This is the world's biggest show. You have one opportunity. This is it. Don't go in there and be a smart ass. And I was like, okay you know what, you're right. This is my chance to really, really show what I've got. And I don't want to screw it up because comedy is my security blanket, as, as is for many people. 
And so the first guy goes in to sing. And we've been asked to prepare a party piece and something from the show. And uh, so the first guy goes in, he sings his party piece. And I was like, hmm, he sounds like a Marius to me. He doesn't sound like an Angela. And sure enough, after he sings the song, he starts to come out of the room. They stop him and they say, hey, can you come back tomorrow and sing this for us? And the sheet music was empty chairs at empty tables. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, all right. He is a Marius. That sounds that I hear it. They hear it. Great. Uh, so there's supposedly five people auditioning for the role. Uh, so the first guy goes in the second guy goes in and he has a lovely voice. And sometimes you can tell, you know, when you're in, in the audition room, whether you have a leg up on someone vocally um, or whether you think the song they chose wasn't quite right for the show um, that they were auditioning for happens a lot. Uh, and so I thought I've got a leg up on him. I think I don't have to worry about that competition. Wish him well. I hope he's awesome. Um, but I think, I think weighing the two, not seeing his performance right, right now, I would lean towards me. So he leaves the next guy goes in and he too sounds like a Marius. And so, uh, I was like, I bet music. And he did. And then it's me. Whew. And the fifth guy hasn't shown up yet. So I go in and I sang Anthem from Chess. I don't know if you guys know that song. It used to be incredibly popular. They said never to sing it. Um, but I, uh, <laughs> um, I say, if you can sing it better than everyone, anyone else, sing it. Uh, and I had a big enough ego at the time to realize... <laughs> I'm really good at this. Watch out, folks. <laughs> and so I sang the song, and there was silence from the panel. And I had, I sang my song, and I felt really good about it. And I started to leave, and they said, where are you going? And I went, oh, uh, nowhere. Just, I just, they're like, did you prepare something from the show? And I was like, Recap, Tori, quickly recap in your head. First guy came in, sang his party piece, left. They gave him Marius' stuff to come back tomorrow. Second guy came in, sang his party piece, he left. He didn't sing anything else. Third guy came in, sang his party piece, gave Marius, he left. Now I'm here. I just sang anthem, and they said, have you, did you prepare something from the show? Nobody else had sung from the show before. I am golden. This is great. So I was like, well, yes. Yes, I have. And they, they had given us sheet music. Um, and uh, they said, well, can you sing? Um, it's, it's the Lamarck is dead part. Lamarck is dead. Lamarck is dead. That's the hour of fate. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I've got this. So I started to sing. And it was amazing. It was one of those things where the piano player and the singer were just working together beautifully the push and the pull was there and then we get to the pad apart you know on his funeral day they will honor his name with the flame of rebellion ablaze in their eyes from the candle of grief we shall kindle our flame on the tomb of lamarck i screamed it and it was like oh hairs hair raising tingling all through the body shall our barricades rise then I get to this part. The time is here. Let us, let us whatever the lyrics are, right? Um, so I say, the time is here. 
I sang gibberish to the panel of Les Mis on Broadway. <laughs> I sang gibberish, the world's biggest stage, to the panel of these nine people or however many there were. And I knew my career was over. And I continued on with the song, with the jubilant shout, they were coming and all, they were coming, we call. Right? And I sang the A flat, which I was worried about because I'd never sung it publicly before. But now I was like, screw that. It's all over. Might as well just go for it now. And I sang it beautifully. And I stopped. And there was silence on the panel. And I went, oh, crap. And I scanned the panel and I said, I don't know if you got the email, but Bubil and Schomburg emailed me this morning and the new lyrics are indeed for da ba da da ba da ba ba beer. If you can fix that in your libretto, it would be great. They'd really appreciate it. Silence on the panel. And and in my head, I just kept on hearing Jules saying, don't screw this up, don't be funny, don't screw this up, don't be funny. And then one guy on the end broke. He goes, <clears throat> and then everyone on the panel started to laugh. <laughs> Excuse me. It broke the tension, and I felt much better. Uh, and so, and then the other guy didn't show. And so I, I was like, I have no idea what happened. Weeks go by. I call my agent, and I was like, whatever happened? And they said, oh, yeah, they loved you. They thought you were amazing. I was like, oh, well, great. But the guy that was leaving decided to stay. So uh, you are now shortlisted for, you know, if, if coming or Anjola becoming available somewhere, that would mean you would slot in there. And, um, and I was like, amazing. That's incredible. Soon after that, Lame is closed on Broadway. And then Lamia's closed on the tours. And so um, I never got, I was this close, but I never got there. But I guarantee you, the panel, the whole panel remembered me. And that's one of the big things that I took away, that um, the only thing that sets you apart from everyone else is you being you the best version of you, right? If you bring the best version of you into that audition room and just be yourself, it's the only thing that sets you apart. And that's what they're looking for. They're looking for an individual who is talented, who can bring their show to life. So um, now I don't know if this is 100% true. I've heard it through the grapevine, through some people. But years later, um, I was teaching a, uh, in a musical theater intensive in the summer and I got an, a call from my agent saying, Tori, the producers of Rocky on Broadway want you to fly to New York on Friday to audition. Be and, and I heard it through the grapevine because it was they, they had remembered me from my Les Mis audition. Wow. Uh, now, I don't know if this is true, but they had remembered me because I was, um, they loved my audition and because I was myself. Um, and here's, here's the, the, the crux of the thing is that on Friday, 
that's when my students were to perform. So um, I would have to leave my students high and dry for their, their uh, musical theater intensive. And so my agent says, we need to know. And I said, I'm not going to fly for Friday. I'm not going to do it. And they said, Tori, they asked for you by name specifically. Do you know how rare this is? And I said, I do. I acknowledge that. But I've read the sides. I don't think I'm right for the role that they want. I will send you my video. Send a video in. If they love me, I will be there on Monday for the callbacks. How's that? And they agreed with um, the producers, and they said, yeah, totally, we'll do that. And <clears throat> I uh, filmed my audition. Uh, they loved me, but they, I wasn't right for the show. Um, so uh, I dodged a very expensive bullet. But mm -hmm. just being yourself um, will always set you apart because you are different than everyone else. No matter how tall you are, you have the same vocal stylings, you're going to be unique just as you are and trust in that and lean into that. Um, and, uh, and, and I can't, I can't stress that enough, but um, it was so, it was so great that, you know, 11 years later, or um, it was, it was probably 10 years later that they had remembered me um, and that audition paid off in the end, a decade later. Um, and I'm not sure that I would have left my family, my wife and kids in Calgary to go to New York to do that show. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, but it was really, really nice to be, you know, asked for by name. Um, yeah. That's so that's my lame is on Broadway story. That's a good <laughs> oh, one. <gosh. laughs> I wow, that is, that's so crazy to think how you know even years later they still they remember still you. you yeah um and and i chalk that up again to to it's, okay so i i was talking to a director and uh he was directing beauty and the beast and he said if my ideal gaston comes through the door and he says hi i'm gaston I'm going to sing for you something from the show and sings Gaston. Um, the, the panel doesn't, can't tell if you're a really good actor or not because you're coming in as that character. You're playing one character through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. They want to see, Hey, I'm Tori. I'm coming in here and I'm going to sing you my song. And then you become Gaston. Yeah. Right. And then they go, Oh, Oh, that is a huge change from just dorky, skinny Tori coming in. Oh, and then they can start saying, maybe he's not right for Gaston, but maybe Lumiere, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which, of course, I did play, you know. Um, <laughs> so always go in as yourself, then become the character whenever you, you audition with your piece. That way they can see, oh, wow. Rachel can act. Holy, that's amazing, Rachel. Aaron, that was great. That transformation from Aaron to the character was, is truly an amazing thing to behold. Mm -hmm. We make, uh, when I write, I always want the characters to make discoveries on stage so those, so those discoveries can be shared with the audience. Well, that's the same thing when you go into an audition. You're, you're, you're going in saying, hi, I'm Rachel. 
I'm wearing this shirt because I love this shirt and it's a yellow shirt. And I usually look like I wear, I have jaundice when I wear this shirt, but today it's my lucky shirt. And I'm Aaron who loves coffee and has an orange or yellow shirt. And then you become Fantine. And they forget about the coffee. They forget about the yellow shirt. And they get sucked into your story. That is acting. But if you came in as Fantine, you know, depressed with tigers coming at night, uh, <laughs> that's, that's not going to benefit you. Because they, they go, oh, you know what? She's pretty depressed. I don't know if we need somebody that depressed in our show. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, another thing that I learned. So years later, um, <laughs> okay, so here's another lame story. So uh, oh, what was it? Maybe eight years ago, nine years ago, the Les Mis revival happened. And uh, so now uh, at this time I'm doing Blood Brothers and I'm playing Eddie Lyons. So I have my hair parted on the side and I talk like this. Hello. <laughs> um, yes, of course. Um, and I clean shaven. And, um, and so I'm playing Eddie Lyons in the show and I'm loving it. And then the audition for Les Mis come up. And I am, I'm like, here it is, Javert. I played him in Cameron's show before, just in the, the little concert version. This time, I'm going to get it. So uh, I go and I get this jacket. Uh, and then I deconstruct the jacket a bit and I make it darker and I make it have little stains on it. Just just implying right that i've been through a lot but it looks amazing it's like one of those deconstructed jackets that are like so high fashion right um but it's dark and it's dingy and it's it's i think it's ideal and all of these people are going into the audition wearing sundresses on my own pretending he's beside me right singing in their sundresses and smiles and <clears throat> the casting director is calling up agents going it's literally called miserable people this is not you don't go into a show with a sundress and audition for miserable people so while yes coming in being yourself is important you don't put that smile on your face and start singing on my own (laughs) they got used to singing in in their bedrooms anyway and i was like okay great i think i know what they're looking for again it was a party piece and something from the show and so i get there at the audition and i'm early this is my dog again hello my dog um (laughs) And they're early. And so I start to, I start to walk. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I start to walk down this road. And in Toronto, there's a, a place called um, the Danforth. And next, I think it's the Danforth. Um, no, it's not. It's, it, anyway, it doesn't matter what it's called. Um, I'm overlooking this highway and I'm standing on top of a cliff. Looking over, looking over this highway, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this is just like Javert looking over the bridge and, and Javert's suicide. And I decided to sing Javert's suicide. And so I was like, oh yeah, get inspiration from this. And it was a really bleak day. And there was a cloud, 
the, the sun was piercing through the cloud in one spot. And it was so beautiful. And I was like, this is it. This is the stars are cold. This is what that lyric means. This is amazing. So I got so inspired and I went into the audition room. And when I went into the audition room, the, the uh, panel was sitting back, slunched, uh, slunched, it's a new word, feel free to use it, slumps down in their chairs, you know, arms across their chest. They are not liking what they're seeing at all. The casting director, Stephanie Gorin, is there. The, the two directors are there. And so I said, pretentiously, they said, uh, What's your party piece? And I said, would you mind if I just sang from the show? And they were like, oh, okay, that's fine. Because everything they've heard up until then was not what they were looking for. And um, so I was like, oh, that might have been going a bit too far going. Because they asked for a party piece first, then from something from the show. But I was sure I could nail this. So then... I'm remembering my audition on Broadway. Yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> He's a big monster. Give I had to yell for my wife. I put you on mute. So oh. hear it. Um, <laughs> um, but um, so I remembered my, I was like, be yourself, be yourself. And so then... I start to sing uh, Javert Suicide. And it was the most incredible moment of my auditioning career. As great as the Les Mis on Broadway one, this was even better. I said, I, I said every single word for the first time. And I, um, at the end, where it says, the stars are black and cold, and they stare into the void of the world that cannot hold. I was like, I'm doing it. I will escape now from that world, from the world of Sean Valjean. And I took it all the way up an octave. There is nowhere I can turn, there's nowhere to go. And I did it, I'm not gonna do it now, because I'm sick. But the point is, oh I sang it, and it reverberated through the hall. It was incredible. And then, Ba, 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 ba. The piano's still playing and I'm still doing this acting, you know, hand in the air. And uh, then I go, splash. Oh, <laughs> <I put> <laughs> oh my, <laughs> that's amazing. And, uh, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, they didn't find it funny. Um, oh, no. <laughs> which, which <laughs> broke my heart. Um, <laughs> then they said, Tori, can you wait outside for a few minutes? And I went, all right. Um, now, just so you're aware, they were, yeah, I know, Kilgar. They are, they were behind uh, by an hour and a half. Oh, my. Uh, they were behind by an hour and a half. And uh, to take time out to, um, to deliberate on someone is minutes. And they made themselves even further behind. And they said, you, then they came out and said, you can go. And I was like, amazing. So I called my agent. I said, this is it. This is the moment. This is when I finally get to do the, the show. I don't care if I played Javert. Maybe I could cover it. Maybe I could be an alternate. Maybe, who knows? 
Um, and so for the next few days at Blood Brothers, is I'm little Edward Lyons. Hello. Hello, how are you? Um, um, I was waiting and people were getting callbacks for Les Mis. My, my friend David Silvestri uh, got a callback for Valjean. And I was like, oh, if David, oh, hush, if David could, <laughs> this is the worst. <laughs> I'm yelling for my wife. Um, anyway, if I could play opposite him, that'd be amazing. And, uh, and other people started getting callbacks and I, I didn't. Oh, I have to open the door for my wife. I didn't get a call back. And everyone else was. And I was devastated. So, so devastated because I had done such an incredible job and I couldn't have done anything better. I contacted my agent and I was saying, why are these people getting callbacks and why am I not getting callbacks? I was amazing in there. And they said, I know, they loved you. And I was like, but then why? And they said, well, you're too old for the younger kids and you're too young for the older characters. And I thought, I just fell into the cracks again. And I was devastated. Mm -hmm. And I realized, after some time, I realized that I'm really good at the show, but I may not be great at the business. And, I, and that's resonated with me for a long time. It's a business. So they make business decisions. Our job is the only job in Western society where you can legally be discriminated against for your eye color, your hair color, your skin color, your height, mm -hmm. the sound of your voice. And it's all just down to preference. Mm -hmm. Your age, right? Do it all the time. And that affected me. That affected me deeply. Um, and I was devastated I didn't get the show. But then I realized the business owes me nothing. It absolutely owes me nothing. And now I think I need to turn a page and become a writer and write shows that are not age determinant. Race, it doesn't depend on your race at all. You can be any race, you can be any age and gender. So I started, I tried to write um, shows that, I, I always, I love strong female characters. Like I love them to death. My mother was one of the first female paratroopers in the US Army. Um, my wife is single-handedly changing the family law system from the inside as a lawyer who is, who is um, uh, changing the system. She doesn't do hourly billing. She doesn't, you know, charge by the email, the phone call, or um, it's flat rate. And, you know, it's, it's so in no retainers. You know, when you go to a lawyer, you spend $10,000 on a retainer, but there's no retainers. This is all new. She's doing it. She's a trailblazer. I love strong female characters. So one of my musicals is called The Fall in a Tale of Jack the Ripper. And it's, it's about the women um, that fell at the hands of Jack the Ripper. And I wanted to tell their stories. And so 
I wrote a show with uh, seven strong female leads and four men. Because there are far more women, and I don't have to tell you this, there are far more women in musical theater than there are men. And it's 10 times harder for women than it is, than it is for men. And these, these uh, characters uh, range in age anywhere between 18 and 70. Wow. Right? The versatility, you can, you can play, the, yeah, with the exception of Polly, who has a roughly 20-year-old child, and uh, the widow, who uh, is in her 70s, there really are no ages for these characters. There's a, there's a 10-year age range. That's a suggestion, but you can play outside of that. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to, to be more inclusive with age and with race and in particular strong female characters that do not, um, that aren't princesses. Uh, there are no princesses in my life. Um, and they're, they're warriors, right? And so when I wrote Off the Beaten Path, which is a fantasy musical, these female characters, there isn't a wilting flower amongst them. As a matter of fact, the strongest characters in the show uh, are are female characters. So, um, and I love that. And I love that uh, in Off the Beaten Path, there is... Um, LGBTQ plus uh, characters, characters that perhaps it's all up to the actor can maybe be non-binary, played by drag queens, drag kings, uh, but not in a spoof, but in a serious, this is, this is who I am. And the world accepts me for that. And we don't comment on that. We don't uh it's the world accepts you for it and so that's what off the beaten path is in in terms of when creating it the the characters that i wanted i wanted to be versatile i also wanted to write for people who are very tall and for people who are not very tall so eris i'd like her to be under five foot one if possible wow right because how many shows are there written for principal character who is under five one not many. There's so few. Exactly. What you've got, Tracy Turnblatt. That's about it, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, for Kulgar, Kulgar, I'd like him to be over six foot two, right? And so you have this huge, uh, and 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 all the other companions can be anywhere in between that, right? Mm-hmm. So, and if you can get a seven foot tall Kulgar. How amazing would that be? That'd be incredible, right? Mm-hmm. As long as you can do the fight choreography, I don't care what age you are, right? And because in fantasy worlds, you get to, um, you get to work with uh, age of, just like dwarves are long lived, so they can be 300 years old, doesn't matter. And you can look 50 or, and, or elves, 2000 years old and you can look 18. It doesn't matter. And so diversity, uh, of ace, of ace, <laughs> race, age, and uh, sexuality was something I, I went into off the beaten path thinking because, and I was largely influenced by, um, by that audition for Les, for Les Mis, where mm-hmm. it, I was categorically unfit to play a role because of how I looked. I guarantee you, had I been able to have some stubble and not part my hair on the side, because I was playing an eight-year-old English boy, um, 
I think things might have been different. Mm-hmm. But because that's the haircut I had for the show, uh, and I, I had to be clean shaven, there's no way that um, they would have seen me as anything else. So, yeah. That's really admirable. That that's your for your earballs. Thank you. <laughs> I know that. I think that's yeah, amazing. That's a beautiful thing. It really is. Really oh, that's it's like you said. The business is so well, thank hard you. for so many people, and you're helping to make it a little bit easier for a lot. That was my. That was my intent. Uh, and, I, and I leave this open to you. Um, if there's anything, if you ever come, there's, uh, I don't know when, when this episode will air, but every couple of weeks I'll be doing a reading of either Off the Beat Path or The Fallen. Uh, and you two are welcome to any of the songs in the show to audition with, um, if you want. Um, and if, because getting new material that suits people is really difficult, right? New stuff that people haven't heard before. Um, and the music is great. Um, and I can say that because I didn't compose the music. I'm just a librettist. So uh, the music is wonderful for both of the shows. Um, so you have access to the sheet music and with permission, uh, you have permission from me and my team, doesn't matter which show, uh, to use any of that, those materials moving forward. And if any of your listeners are interested in hearing that, um, I'll send you guys a link and you can forward that on to them. Okay. Thank That'd you so awesome. much. That's incredible. Yes, and I've, I've, we've both listened to um, the, some of the songs that you've sent me. They're awesome. And, wow. They're very I, beautiful. Yes, amazing. Wonder, thank you. That means a lot. Um, and uh, there is, so do you mind if I talk about Off the Beaten Path for a moment? Because yeah, this, is, this is something that, um, yeah. So <laughs> uh, I think that theater should be evolving. I think, but, but everyone's going, what's that next step? What is the next step of theater? And I think I've unlocked it. Off the Beaten Path is a multi-platform theatrical experience where... Um, you have an app where you can make up a character, develop a character. Um, hi, my name is Tori and my character is a bard and my catchphrase is, oh no, not again. Um, and then you go on adventures adjacent to the show. So you will meet the characters throughout the show in the app and you'll, you'll experience Experience the places, experience events that happen in the show, but from a different perspective as you go on these adventures. And as you level up in this adventure app, you will get access to the soundtrack. So as you get to level five, you have choice between two songs from the show. And then uh, ultimately, I mean, you can buy the, uh, uh, the soundtrack outright, or you can explore the world and and get far more information because the world is full of secrets and in the app you discover those secrets as you go. So, um, so not only will the app be a game that you can play that works in conjunction with the show, it can also act on its own and be an, 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 an 
enjoyable uh, fantasy role-playing experience for you. But it is also a way, so say, say, Aaron, you're going to the show. I'm going to see Off the Beaten Path. Hey, there's the QR code on the poster. You, um, you sign in, tell us that you're there. Then your character, um, Sorshala, the wizard, uh, whose catchphrase is, you think that's hot, try this. Right? Um, so you go and you sign in. That informs the cast that Sorshala is there. And so there was a call out to you in the show. Nope, the last person that came through here was, uh, it was Sir Shala. <laughs> the last thing she said was, you think that's hot, you should see this. Um, so in the show, your, your, characters, your characters will be referenced if you're at the show. Not only that, before the show, at intermission, and after the show, we don't break the fourth wall, but we bend it. Elgar will talk to Sorshala as if they are in the world. They're not going to talk about a show. They're going to talk about the adventures that they've been on. So you can communicate with them that way. The other thing with the show, when you're there, it's, a, it's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure musical where you're in the audience, and then one of the characters turns to the audience and says, all right, this is up to you. All those in favor of doing this, say aye. All those in favor of this, say nay, right? Whatever it is. And so the audience on the spot changes the trajectory of the show. And it's completely scripted, so they then follow that path. Mm -hmm. And so what we're creating, again, is a multi-platform experience where you can come to the show and go, that was a great show. You can play the app and go, that's a fun game. You put the two together and the whole world starts to unlock for you. And you do it, but when, as you advance in levels, you get more and more hints as to how to get to a secret ending of the show where you can come back in real time and affect the show to an ending that's never been seen before. And then you can discover what that secret ending is at the same time as the cast discovers what the secret ending is. So the cast doesn't know, the audience doesn't know, stage management knows, and everyone has their positions on the event that this happens and everything is revealed. The truth is revealed. So, and not only that, but it's three musicals, it's a trilogy. So uh, this, the long game is there's a huge giant overarching story but there are three individual musicals. Again, go to this musical. It's a musical unto itself. That's one story. There's another story. There's a third story. But when you put them all together, it becomes a huge experience. And we don't call it act one and act two. We call it session one, session two, session three, session four, session five, session six. Partly an in, in ode to the gamers. But the other reason is we set up things in session one that are revealed in session five. So we map out this whole world and all the secrets. And by I say map out, it's all in my head. Uh, and um, ultimately, if the show ever takes off or the, this, the, the, the trilogy takes off, 
the ultimate goal is to have session one, two, three on a Saturday, session four, five, six on a Sunday. So you can see the whole world unfold before your eyes. And each one of those musicals has a secret ending. So, and when that happens, um, the world, when you get to this secret ending, say in Off the Beaten Path, the world shifts. And then everything in the app itself shifts too. So the, the person who discovers, yeah, I know, it's crazy. The person who discovers the secret ending becomes famous in the world of our lyris, which is the world that uh, Off the Beaten Path takes, takes place in. But that fundamentally shifts that show forever and it shifts the app forever. So references to places and things will change in celebration of that one person. So it is a completely immersive experience. We don't break the fourth wall saying, we're doing a show today. Come see our show, wink, wink. <laughs> we say, we say the, the queen, for example, will say, I'll leave it up to the nobility. The lights come up on the house and you are the nobility and you vote as the nobility. Later on in the show, um, the, the companions may free some slaves. And so you, the audience becomes the slaves that are freed and they get to decide what happens to the captor, right? But these have consequences to the show itself. So, um, yeah, we have a, we have a big, um, on October 17th, um, which I'm sure, I'm, I'm not sure that this will be uh, airing by then, but um, I'll, I'll invite you to that. And it's a big reveal. I can't tell you what's happening. I hope it works. Uh, but there's this special event happening on that, on that day. And we have people from uh, Come From Away, from Mamma Mia on Broadway, um, like we've got incredible actors uh, coming to uh, from across North America to do this reading right. of the show. Uh, so incredible. you're more than welcome to join us. Well, thank you. Yeah. That idea is mind blowing. That's like one of the mm -hmm. best things I think I've ever heard. I, wow. I like that you're taking theater to a new level. Yeah, to a new level. And in both with both of your musicals in different ways. And that's also going to be a way that maybe you can draw in people who don't traditionally like musicals, I feel like as well. Like there's some people who think musicals are like boring, but if there's like a game and it's like a choose your own adventure type thing all in one, mm -hmm. that's definitely gonna draw in more people that normally wouldn't come. That's the hope. Uh, the hope is for, for gamers to come because there's tons of Easter eggs in the show. Mm -hmm. So if you play World of Warcraft, or you know somebody that plays World of Warcraft or Skyrim or watches Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings, uh, the new Witcher series on Netflix. Um, oh, the, the funny thing is we actually submitted to Netflix on, to submitted three seasons, five or six episodes. And we told them that uh, because you, uh, you own the rights to the Witcher and we reference all of these uh, other worlds, including earth, including uh, the world of the Witcher, mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings, Middle Earth, right? there can be crossover events between our show and your shows, right? Yeah. That's so amazing. That's, that's another thing that, that may be in the work, 
right? So uh, again, it's the evolution of theater. I've been, I've been wanting to, to take things to the next level. And I think, I think this is it. I think an all immersive experience where we don't break the fourth wall, we bend it and invite you into the world and into the show where you then become a part of the world and the show. And you get to hear secrets and, and stuff like that. The other thing you get um, as rewards is little scenes and songs that may have been cut from the show, but give you more information about the world and about the characters and about, um, yeah, I, I don't want to go too much because I don't want to give any spoilers, but there are so many secrets in the show. And, um, and I think that's the way to evolve theater is to, is to make it, immersive that you want to be in the world with the actors up on stage mm -hmm. so much more it's so. so much more inclusive too yeah wow that's the plan you guys are awesome thank you you've made my day oh, you're <laughs> awesome you are incredible oh my goodness this has um, been yeah so thank you i really i've really enjoyed this this is great this is has there, been so um, amazing. Some kind of link or something you can send me so I can put it like in the description of this episode. So the um, people listeners, can check out your yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. So it's really simple. I'll send you the link, but um, it's uh, you can go to obpmusical.com off the beaten path. Obpmusical.com, and it's obpmusical on youtube and um and on instagram we are uh tory doctor musicals i have a marketing team that does these things for me so <laughs> um that's you know what actually that's the cool thing about the show uh, i sound really pretentious when i say i have a marketing team that does this for me <laughs> but in reality i have um a bunch of teams who have, who believe in off the beaten path so much that they're volunteering their services um, so the marketing team, uh, Echo Bird Social, out of Spokane, Washington, uh, has volunteered to promote the show and work on all of our commercials. Um, on our adventure app, we have one of the designers uh, and developers of the Disney Plus app loving the show and working on uh, the app development. We have um, uh, gamers who love the show so much that they also are developers working on the adventure app and the website. Um, I have a, I, I just discovered I have a, an archival team that is willing to archive all of the actors who have done all of the readings. We're coming up to our, tonight is our 19th. The 17th is gonna be our 20th reading of the show. And it started off with just doing, oh, I'll do a couple of readings online. But the fans wanted more and more and more. And so finally, uh, we were just like, all right, let's do it. Let's get all these actors in from all over the world to come and do international readings live in Europe. Um, and now we have merchandise because people were requesting merchandise from, this, from the show. It's, <coughs> it's crazy. It's really crazy. But we have all these teams of people volunteering. We've got a stable of over 100 actors who come in and read for us. Some of them do it once, some of them do it on multiple occasions. But um, I think everyone is really getting on board and believing in the show. Uh, and it, it's, to be honest with you, it's because of the pandemic, right? They are starving for theater. And so uh, as a result, they 
um, they're flocking to the show because it's new and it's fresh. There's nothing like it out there. There is in the aspect of, you know, Edwin Drood, that doesn't have an ending and the audience chooses the ending um, or, or even clue the musical. Mm-hmm. But in this case, uh, there are over 30 different versions and even that version can change if you know how to get to the secret ending. So, and with the multi-platform, it's, it's so different. Anyway, so thank you guys. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. We will. Um, Yeah. I think I can probably attend the reading. Yeah, I I know I have. I'm filming my dance pre-screen for college on the 17th. So that's in the day though. So I can, I'll be able to make it work, I'm sure. Wonderful. Yeah, we have Jeff Madden, who's from uh, Come From Away. We have uh, Jake Runnicles from the, he was at the Stratford Festival. Uh, um, Kenny Bobble, who uh, works for Disney uh, and is a Jedi in his day as a day job. So, like, we've got an incredible cast. And you're not just going to see a fantasy show that takes place in a fun world. You're coming. You're going to be on an emotional journey. So bring some Kleenex. I, I promise you, it'll be. Right. We'll 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 be prepared. I'm, I'm so excited! <laughs> wow, dang, this is this is awesome. Great. We just. I don't even have words. I, yeah. Um, we are so grateful that you came on our show and uh, wow. Well, if you guys ever need anything, just give me a holler. You know where I am and I'd be delighted to, to chat with you. Um, and, uh, and if you want some other actors that perhaps would like to come on board and do a podcast, maybe I can, um, maybe I can wrangle a couple of those folks for you. Yeah, that would Thank be awesome. You. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. And I'm going to go uh, do a reading of a new musical tonight. <laughs> so have fun. Okay. So thank you, Corey. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much again. All Be right. well. Bye. Bye. Okay. So Tori is gone now. It's just the hosts me it's and the two unprofessional Aaron. people here <laughs> of course Lexi I don't know if you can hear her but she's like barking like crazy upstairs so that's wonderful but she's yes, living her best she's life she's living her best life she's trying at least <laughs> and so okay anyway that was so cool I'm just I really just don't know what to say like the whole time he's talking I just felt like I was like uh-huh like whoa <laughs> like such a loser <laughs> me too because he just he really has and it, to think about all the stuff that we'd even get to talk about. Like, if I feel like I could have talked to him for another, like, five hours, and we still wouldn't have gotten through everything. Exactly. He's just experienced so much. And, like, they say, like, Hamilton changed the course of musical theater, but I feel like what he's doing could, like, be even more than what Hamilton did. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, if you would have told me that before, like, I really knew anything about this or whatever, I would have been like, huh? Like, really? Like, are you sure? But, dang, like, the more I've, like, just learned more about everything he's doing, just the more amazed I am, I guess. I really do think it could change a lot, because he, instead of trying to be like everyone else, he's trying to include everyone, and I don't know. And his stuff is really good, too. Yeah. It's not like it's just basic. And his songs, 
I know he he works on it the songs with someone else. They like are like I think because mm-hmm. he's a liberist, li- li- librettist. Oh my god, oh, a librist, <laughs> <laughs> a liberalist. Is he a liberalist? <laughs> librettist. Sorry, <laughs> never said the word before. Actually, librettist. Librettist. Yeah, I said libretto, but I never librettist. I don't know why I thought it was weird, but. Because Nico is the one who... I don't know anything it. about Nico, but I guess he writes that music. And the music's kind of a bop because I... There was one of the songs that I've listened to so far that I'm like, I might ask him for the sheet music for because... Oh, it's so good. It's kind of a bop. I, like, just don't even really have words, though. That was so cool. That was just... That was incredible. Yeah. No, that's right. Like, he got done talking and we were just, like, not speaking at all. And I was like, that's the one thing that, like... If you're on a podcast, you're supposed you to talk. To speak. You have to talk. <laughs> and we're just like, oh, why would you talk to us? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, that's the thing about him is it's not just that he's really talented and has done a lot of great things and is still doing great things. Is It's also the fact that he is so – he's just such a great person, like such a kind person. You can kind of get that. Like mm-hmm. every time – like how this interview was, that's how it's been every time I've ever texted him or – uh, emailed or talked on the phone with him. That's how he's always acted. Like he's, he's very like a genuine person. person. Yeah. So it's great to have someone like that in the business right now who's, you know, mm-hmm. has a great impact. Really? Yes. So influence too. So. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as me and Aaron did. Yeah. That was awesome. Uh, we are going to, at least, as long as nothing like family related or something very important comes up, I'm going to be attending on October 17th. I will as well. On a- I'm planning on it. I'm so, so excited. I'm really excited. And because there's so much that, you know, he was explaining it, but like, I just, I'm excited to actually see be there and be present yeah. and see how it is. So and I've watched a lot of his like commercials and stuff. Yeah, I did that, as well. Yeah, I did that. He looks so cool. I was like, I, <sighs> in his voice, he's doing like a very good, I don't know. Cause he's not acting like he's, He's like you know acting I mean? without yeah. acting. Yeah, so he's got this like this great like TV voice kind of he thing does. going. So Tori, you have a great TV voice. Yeah, and a great singing voice and just in general. a great everything. Yeah, great everything. Oh God, I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> okay. It kind of sounds bad. Well, a great. You're just a great performer. I'm assuming. <laughs> I don't know. I just heard you sing, but I mean, considering the stories that yeah. he was saying, I feel like yeah, he's a great performer. Mm-hmm. So. We are so grateful, and all of our information that we have about him, we will include in the description. Um, hopefully, you guys can uh, come to one of his readings too, or you know, just at least like try to learn more about his musicals. And hopefully, someday they'll become more of it when we're not in a pandemic and oh, everything. Yes, so, hopefully. Um, I think I think that's it. Yeah, we really don't. I just don't have, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think we can, like, talk about it anymore because it's, like, you guys were all there. You all listened to him. Like, he's amazing, you know? Yeah. That's all there is to it. So. So so, fancy. So so we (laughs) will see you guys next time. And thank you all for tuning in, as always. So. Sponsor us, Until next time. Give us your money. (laughs) We need money. Oh, give me your money. You're so close to the mic. You just blew out their ears. Oh my god, did I really? I'm sorry. Okay, you know what? Oh, Look at the spike in the, the audio. Spike. Okay, I'm just, this is, uh, okay. Uh, love you. <laughs> okay, until next time. Goodbye. Bye.